0: unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible-carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Same Old Song. Jake, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. How are you, Aaron? Because I care today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I like like how you really didn't want to waste any time in getting to my psychodynamic and emotional state it's it's pretty good uh as we record this i'm getting ready to head to tyler for the mockingbird conference there so um excited about that. Gonna see Dave Zoll and run my fingers through his hair and it's great. see Sarah Condon and both get the band back together.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They're they are, they're cool people. So here we are, and uh, this is a special edition of the same old song, uh, Maundy Thursday Good Friday episode. So for all of you uh, who are going through Holy Week, uh, here we are on Maundy Thursday with a couple of uh, words. And uh, what is Maundy Thursday exactly, Aaron, for maybe our non-liturgical
0: listeners? Well, Jake, I'm glad you asked. Uh, Monday Thursday comes from the Latin word mandatum, which in English we get words like mandate from this. Mandatum means command. And this is the day that we remember the Last Supper, Jesus celebrating the Passover with his disciples. And at that dinner, he said, I give you a new command or a new mandatum. And I guess in the Middle Ages, when that reading was read on this Thursday, somehow that really stuck in people's minds, and they called it, uh, I guess they weren't very good Latin students. They didn't go to a classical Christian school, and uh, <laughs> they uh, they they heard it Maundy or something like that. So Maundy Thursday is the day that we remember the Last Supper, the night that Jesus was arrested. Uh, we remember... Um, the betrayal uh, by Judas. We remember the new commandment that Jesus gave his disciples to love one another. And we also remember the foot washing that he did to demonstrate his love for them. So all those things, the institution of the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, the foot washing, Judas, all that is on this, uh, this night of Maundy Thursday. So that's what it is, Jake.
1: absolutely. And it, um, but you it, knew all that. I did. Um, um, but it also connects us to um, the uh, the Old Testament story as well in Exodus, and so where Jesus at that Last Supper takes all of these elements. Uh, and points them to himself. He takes the bread, and he takes the cup, and he points them to himself. And so the first reading of the night is from Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. And uh, this is where um, we hear about the Passover, and uh, the passing, uh, the shedding of the lamb, and the uh, placing of the blood upon the doorposts. The um, The final plague to hit Egypt, the death of the firstborn.
0: Yep, that's right. And uh, these instructions were to, um, they're very specific. And it's very, again, this is one of those passages that's really Bible-ish. It has the the phrase loins in it, you know, Mm -hmm. your loins girded. It just sounds very, you know, Mm Bible-timey. Uh, and it's just not something that a lot of your congregation is going to know about. Uh, if you want to kind of boil it down for them, that boil, I said that intentionally because of the... Yeah, anyways, I'm, I'm laughing the, um, on the inside. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Preacher joke. Um, yeah, you don't, you don't eat any of the lamb boiled. You roast it over the fire. And the whole thing is you got to do this quick so you're getting you're getting out of dodge you're getting out of bondage because when you're in bondage when you're in a bad way when you're a slave you want to get out of it as fast as you can Mm -hmm. and so uh this judgment is coming quickly the freedom is coming quickly so you got to get out so the the whole thing here is to um i think if you want to hit on some points in your sermon Uh, And I think this is kind of important. Jesus' Last Supper, and I harped on this. I harangued on our last podcast for Palm Sunday about this a little bit. The Last Supper, Holy Communion, the the meal that Jesus has with his disciples that we celebrate uh, typically every Sunday in the Episcopal Church— it's rooted in Passover. Mm-hmm. It's not rooted in a Thanksgiving meal right. around the table where everybody's buddies. It's not rooted in the kind of dinners that Jesus had with people like Zacchaeus or Matthew, um, those kind of fellowship dinners with sinners. It's rooted in the Passover explicitly. I mean, this Jesus did it on the Passover. He could have done this at any other meal that he had, but he did it at the Passover. And so it's about the shedding of blood. It's about freedom from bondage. Um, and... and um Getting out from under judgment, which is surely coming. I mean, that—that's the message of Passover. The—the—the—the the, the, the death, the final plague was coming for everybody, and—and um, and if you want to escape it, you had to. Um the blood had to be shed. So that's I'm I've talked too much. No, Jake, what are you thinking about? I'm,
1: well, I'm thinking a lot. I think one of the great things, and I couldn't I couldn't agree more, um, Aaron. And it is uh, found throughout, especially the right one uh, uh, Eucharist, um, the whole one oblation and offering uh, given for us. And uh, you know, this is. This is this is what it's rooted in. I I can't echo that. I mean, thanks for pointing that out. And um, the other thing is, is that if you want, hey, no problem, yeah. Jake. If you want, no, I'm. I don't say that like it is a joke at all because I hear it all the time. You know, this is a this is a yeah. this is a festival thing for friends to gather around. it. No, it's not. We are remembering <laughs> uh, that um, uh, we death has passed over us as well. You know, we will get out of this and uh, that is what we're gathering up around that altar or table to remember uh, that um, Jesus has died so that death won't hold on to us and that bread and that wine is a tangible token of that promise given to you. And so, uh, thanks. So, if we we have done our part in helping eliminate that nonsense, that this is just a friendship (laughs) meal, Um, but the other setting with the Exodus story is um, the fact that um, you know what's going on with the plagues is a battle of gods. Um, Because never forget, Pharaoh was seen as a god. And all of the plagues correlate to the different gods of Egypt, whether it's frogs, whether it's the Nile. And here it is, the ultimate slaying of the firstborn. Because uh, Pharaoh's son, the heir to the throne, the next uh, the next sun god on earth, is going to be destroyed by Yahweh. So this is a brutal thing that's going on here, too. Um, and you see, basically, the tearing down of creation in the battle of these gods. And in the tearing down of the creation, a new people, Israel, is going to be set free um, through water um, at this meal. Then they're going to go through water and into the Promised Land. And so... Um, um, this is a very powerful thing, so there's lots of images happening here. But another great preaching point, if you want to focus on Exodus, is the battle of the gods. Yahweh versus Pharaoh, and uh, Pharaoh is going to lose.
0: Yeah, and how would you contextualize that for people today? I mean, we're not folks that uh, worship Pharaoh and mm-hmm. uh, Isis and Osiris and all those uh Egyptian deities. Um,
1: well, yeah, but uh, the uh, the truth is is that um, it's really in- interesting. There was once an Indian missionary who came to New York City, and somebody asked him about the you know all of the idols in his world, and he said, "I've never seen so many idols as I have when I came to America." The truth is is that we have mm-hmm. our idols as well, uh, which is like you know um, our identities, uh, our kids' identities, um, mm-hmm. our bank accounts, our you know you name it, and uh, so all of us have these different gods, um, and uh, they. Will ultimately be torn down, uh, but the good news is is that um, uh, Jesus in the tearing down has taken uh, death in his body and uh, you will be passed over. And so because of the blood over your doorpost, the blood uh, that's given to you in the promise of baptism.
0: Yeah, I think about uh, the idols of Olivia Jade. Do you know who this is? Uh, no, I'm not that cool. <laughs> my heart goes out to her. If you're in middle school, you would know. Um, Olivia Jade is the daughter of Lori. Loughlin, oh yes. That's the Aunt right. Becky from full house. Yeah, it's... The one who's kicked out of college. And I'm not throwing shade on Olivia. My daughter she's knows, got, yeah. she's got a rough. Yeah. She's got a, a, a rough situation. A, a tough row to hoe is my, uh, dad would say. Um, and you know she, the the I don't know what's if this is true, but the reports in the media have said that she's mad at her parents for ruining her life. She was this very popular Instagram influencer and social media personality with uh, you know just uh, a gazillion followers and all that. And of course now she's sort of a laughing stock, and her whole world has been reversed. Um, and I hope you know what what was clear to me is thinking you know my parents have ruined my life. Well, have they? No. Uh, She still has food, clothing, shelter, hopefully people in her life that care about her. Um, But her whole identity has come crashing down. And the feeling of that, it just has put me in mind. of. And this is not to say that I'm better than Olivia Jade or that anybody's better than Olivia Jade. We all have things that to us make up who we think we Mm -hmm. are. And we think those things are unassailable, mm-hmm. um, but when they come crashing down, then you your idols have died, and you find out who you really are. And I, I if each one of us has something like that. And if you want to think about it on Monday, Thursday, what is the thing that's right that you have that that's r- is your idol? That's right. And the
1: and you know, and it's interesting. It's around these meals where identity is truly given. So the you know the mm-hmm. Passover. I mean, you know, the Passover happened. Like, it happened. I mean, it is something that is drilled, whether you are um, a Hasidic Jew or you are a Reformed Jew and you have an orange on the table, it is something that is burned into the psyche (laughs) of the Jewish people. Um, uh, You know, uh, it is is, something happened. And uh, this, this dinner this meal gave them an identity and jesus takes that meal and points it to himself and gives us an identity and so when the idols of yep. your life come crashing around and this is very powerful because this moves into the uh, epistle reading where uh, st paul talks about the institution of the of the supper and how uh, this supper is not about a big cuz the corinthians turned it into a a, a buddy party and uh, the corinthians turned it into a, a, almost the meal into a scandal And so St. Paul takes this and he reminds them about what this meal is about. This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as oft as you should drink it in remembrance of me. And it's very important to remember that this concept of remembrance is not just like, oh, hey, that happened a long time ago. As we said at Palm Sunday, this is bringing you into the story. This story is now your story.
0: Yeah, and I think um, it, it, Paul just makes it so clear um, as he reminds us, again, what Jesus said. The cup that we drink is is the blood of Jesus. And you have to remember, again, I feel like we're belaboring the point, but hey, it's worth doing. Um, Passover, to celebrate Passover, Jesus' disciples would have had to take a lamb and kill it. Like that night, they would have had to slit a lamb's throat a lamb without blemish, about a year old, and to cut its throat. When Jesus said, go to prepare the room to get ready for Passover, that's what he meant. And so it's not like they went down to the butcher and and got a lamb uh, to have. They they had to kill it. And so you realize how fresh and um, immediate this is when he then picks up a cup on the table full of red wine, and says, "This is the new covenant in in my blood, um, and this is my body that's for you." When he takes the bread, just because they would have just done that with an actual animal. So again, it's it's very much rooted in sacrifice, not not in some sort of far away theoretical sense, but in a very real, bloody sense that they would have just done. And of course, with Jesus getting ready to do what he's about to do, it's it's uh, it couldn't be clearer. And as and yes, and Jake says he takes that thing and makes it immediate for. Them for us. So, what what would you say then in this in the, the gospel reading? Uh, we got John 13. Um, this story with the foot washing. Um, we've talked a lot about Exodus, Passover, blood, but then there's this other part of it, the foot washing. Uh, you really can't do a super long sermon on Monday Thursday, so you got to pick kind of one of these things to talk about. It's it's it'd be nice if you could tie it all together, but I haven't met the preacher yet. you can do that in 15 minutes or less. So. At least do it well. So if you were going to talk about foot washing, how would you talk about this, Jake? Well, I would
1: say that this is um, the foot washing is a sign of what's about to actually happen, because never forget, you know, I mean, the, 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 the job of a foot washer at a dinner, um, especially an important dinner like this, was the job of a slave. Um, a rabbi, and if you've ever gone to actually a Passover Seder, um, sometimes there's a hand washing that takes place. And uh, the rabbi does the hand washing. Uh, the leader does the hand washing. However, um, in this particular instance, Jesus doesn't just wash the hands, he goes down and he washes the feet. And this is a sign of Jesus going lower and lower and lower. And there is no point of lowness where he is not going to meet you. And I love Peter's response. Peter's response is so human and so, na- are you kidding? Not, like, not my feet. And then Jesus is like, if I don't wash you, you have no part in me. And then Peter is like, oh, well, then not just, you know, my feet, but my whole body. I, I mean, I... Peter is a, a great person because he's all of us. And so, um, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so, but it's this idea and this image of God going lower. And this is how the Son of Man is glorified. It's not shine, Jesus, shine. It is a bloody Jesus on the cross for you. Uh, that is the glorification of God um, and in the flip-flop sense of the gospel. And you were brought into that powerful, powerful moment. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself. And will glorify Him at once. You know, I'm only with you a little bit longer because you're about to see the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. And it is what none of you thought. And uh, this is the great thing that we're being brought into to be taken into Good Friday the next day.
0: Yeah, and and so I think what's interesting is he does turn around and say you ought to wash one another's feet. uh, which is important, I think. So many churches are all about telling people to do things in the world, mm-hmm. to wash one another's feet and all that, and follow Christ in example. But you got to root it first in what Jesus has done for them, and I'd say start there. Um, you've got this. In, we talked last um, week for Palm Sunday, the Canonic hymn in Philippians two, where Paul uh, writes that poem about Jesus emptying himself. This is another example of Jesus emptying himself. He says, uh, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. Now imagine if God had given you all things into your hands. Mm -hmm. What was the next thing you would do? You know, I would probably cause a Lamborghini to materialize in front of me immediately. I would... uh, um, you know, set set my uh, children up for life and their education. I'd make them into trust fund babies. Uh, if we had all power, uh, maybe we'd not just be for ourselves. Maybe you'd make good things happen in your community. And, and um... But look at what Jesus does. He has all things, and he gets up from the table, undresses, wraps a towel, and starts washing people's feet. Uh, and I think it's just a beautiful picture of, of who Christ is. Most of the time we think of Christ standing over us, frowning, and shaking his finger and wagging his uh, head at us, and, or is it shaking his head and wagging his finger? Mm. Either way, looking down with displeasure on us. So many people feel like they're not doing enough, that God doesn't really like them. But look, but stop believing those lies. Look at what Jesus actually does here. He gets up from the table, kneels in front of you, and starts washing your feet. That's the heart of God for you, and that's what we see. And that's why he's. Um, He's going to uh, now go do this thing. Um, he's gonna, that's why he can give his life for the whole world. And by the way, he washes, his Ju- washes uh, Judas's feet too. I mean, he says not all of you are clean. He knows that someone's going to betray him, but he doesn't, doesn't stop him from washing Judas's feet. It's beautiful, man. It's amazing. This is Maundy Thursday. Man, this is some heavy stuff. All right, so Good Friday. Uh, how do you approach this, um, this most holy and somber of days, Jake? Um, I, well, this is the one kind of day that uh,
1: I—it is—it's lights out. I don't, um, you know, I, I try and make it as heavy as possible. Um, if there's one day to sit in your sin and uh, come into touch with who you actually are, it's a Good Friday. Um, um, and I think that that's something, you know, uh, I think that's something that as a culture we don't do. We always want to look on the bright side of life. And uh, this is the one day that I think um, the church has given us to not look on the bright side of life, but to look at us as we actually are.
0: Dave Zoll was in a meme recently quoted as saying, don't pole vault over Good Friday to get to Easter. Um, And uh, obviously he was stealing that from his dad, just massive uh, internal family plagiarism. But I think it's a good word. And I think what's amazing about the way we worship, if you do this right, your folks will have heard the passion reading on Palm Sunday. You'll hear a portion of it on Maundy Thursday. They'll hear it again on Good Friday. So we definitely don't pole vault over this event to get to Easter. We walk through it and really contemplate it um, and uh, enter into these events. So, yeah, this I often will try to use humor in a sermon to help people connect um, or at least to get them engaged a little bit as I'm opening up the um, whatever I'm going to say. I Tend to not do that here. I mean, I don't do that on Good Friday. Um, uh, I turn I turn it down dr- a lot during Lent and especially on on Good Friday, just because the, the st- man let the majesty and power and horror of the story speak for itself. Um, this is the death of God, as you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, Fleming Rutledge, uh, um, whom we love so much, has said that basically all the gospel writers, in their own way, are trying to tell us the most important thing in history is happening right here and you don't you don't need garnish on that you don't need window dressing you don't need any right. sizzle you just let it speak
1: i mean you're absolutely right everything is a prelude in the gospels up into this mm-hmm. m- this is the moment um i once heard a person say you know i'm not so much interested in jesus's death as i am his life <laughs> No, the, the the gospel writers are saying all of this it gives validity and justification. I mean, yeah, it's interesting because in the Mark
0: moment, in Mark where um, I was saying in, pro- in Mark yeah. yeah. So, as well as the prophet would say, no you you go. <laughs> I was just say Mark's gospel uh, <laughs> sort of like doesn't even really have the resurrection. They add that part later, but like so it like but the thing he really wants yeah. to get to is the death of Jesus on the cross. And what were you going to say about Isaiah?
1: Well, I mean, I just think it, it was it was the will of the Lord to crush him, yeah, with pain. When you make his life an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring and shall prolong his day. The, through him, the will of the Lord shall prosper. Out of his anguish, he shall see light. I mean, this is the righteous one. My servant shall make many righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. I love what Luther said. He said, you know, when you look upon uh, the crucified Jesus, do not uh, do not think that it was the Romans. Do not think that it was simply the Jews. But you wrought this, mm. and uh, I mean, this is this is this is your fault. Uh, this is my fault, and uh, and uh, this this is what I try and get across to. Um, to the congregation, uh, this is you should leave feeling a little heavy and knots in your stomach.
0: Yeah, um, and I think um, there is a tradition of um, this thing called the uh, the improper, <laughs> improperia, the reproaches, which are traditionally in some congregations read out um, uh, at the end of the Good Friday service, which is. Uh, um, space, especially basically, supposed to remind people of that 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 we have offended against God. We have been uh, complicit in this, in this death. Um, uh, where basically it gets God asking people, "How have I offended you?" You know, uh, but you led your savior to the cross. It's supposed to hit all that pretty hard. I think
1: though it is important to remember. I mean, we go in knowing we know the story you know what i mean and uh and this is the powerful thing with the hebrews reading um is that we um we uh whether whichever one you choose you know we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of jesus the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that Mm -hmm. is through his flesh you know or we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens Jesus. And so we hold fast for we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are yet without sin and i mean this is the very powerful thing about about our god Um, there are lots of stories of men becoming gods there's lots of stories of gods often the distance but the gospel the gospel, the story, the, the our the Christian God is the one who condescends and sympathizes with our weakness to the point of death. Um, yep. And so, um, while this is your fault, um, you have an you have, you have a friend in Jesus.
0: Yep. So it, the things I think that the big themes that I would hit on on this uh, day. Um, uh, there's a number of things you can highlight, but I clearly, from the Isaiah reading, you get our sins on Jesus. He has borne our infirmities, carried our diseases, um, uh, wounded for our transgressions. So that's that's clearly what's going on there. You have this a little bit of a a, a, a slight glimmer of hope that comes out in the Hebrews reading. Um, this touch of grace uh, that we have here uh the 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 hebrews reading is kind of about the finished work and the 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 fact that we can uh, approach boldly the throne of grace that's sort of the idea and jesus is with us um the and obviously the john reading you have the narrative of jesus's crucifixion and all these people who have no idea what they're doing they're tools of god to bring about the salvation of the world um and uh but what we look on here is christ crucified and our response is to yell crucify him crucify him and so like like as we've said our own complicity um our own involvement in the death of christ we we would be there with the crowd uh today if if this were happening and so Mm. um there's this acknowledgement of the reality of our sin god's love and grace for us and wanting to find a way to deal with that um I think, you know, I always try to make uh, people just kind of stop and take in the fact that God is dying in front of us. And as and you, dead, as you like to, and dead, and as you like to say, the flip-flop sense of the gospel um, in Christianity, as you say, God condescends not only to come and be incarnate, but condescends to death, that God dies. So there's, and that's just, I mean, I, I, my words sort of fail at that point. Um I mean that's it we bring our people again to the foot of the cross to see God dead uh for them.
1: There's a there's a great image just as people are meditating on this um by Hans Holbein and yep. um it is Jesus dead and uh actually he used I read that he used uh the carcass of a man who drowned in a lake um the body of a man who who was really dead in, from a lake and uh I mean it is one of the most haunting scenes and um, or um, Uh, Yeah. I mean, take a look at that and just meditate on the fact that Jesus really died and is dead and uh, let your people leave with that image. And so and that's the image we hope you left with um, today on this
0: podcast. Blessings to all.